Let's go, gentlemen. We're continuing. Misilat Yesharim. We said a person. A person who walks in his world without thinking if his ways are good or not good. We said he's in a very big danger. And we explained yesterday that the Mesilai Esharim jumps into is it good for me or not good for me? But it's obvious and assumed that everybody wants good. That's not even part of the hitbonenut. We don't have to start thinking, do I want to be good or I don't want to be good? That's something inborn. Hashem gave every human the desire to be good. The goal and the challenge is to know what is good, what is truly good, and to make sure that you're on the road that is good. Two separate things. Which means that even though we all desire to be good, not necessarily do we know what good is. Sometimes a person will come up with his own ideas of what's called good. Either he got to it emotionally, either he got to it through some other ways. Good is absolute. Which means good is not a relative type of item. For example, if you say, oh, this pasta is great. Another person will say, not so great. I don't like it so much. Who's right? The one who said it was great or the one who said it wasn't great? Answer is, it's relative to some person. It could be great. And to some other person, it may not be so great. Neither of them are wrong. Because sometimes in life, good could be relative to the person. It's a question of taste. Question of choice. But when it comes to life and a good life or a bad life, or the right thing in life or the wrong thing in life, that's not relative. That is absolute. There is in the world absolute good. Which means me and you cannot argue, or excuse me, we can argue, but we cannot both be right. For example, if you say it's the right thing to kill people who are very old and don't have a lot of ability to live life happily. It's the right thing. Why should they suffer? They're in the hospital. Should we really treat them? The right thing is, let them go. Anyway, the quality of life is not going to be that great for them. The right thing to do is to let them go. Somebody else will say, no, no. What are you talking about? That's murder. You can't do that. That's the wrong thing. That's not a that's not a discussion of 
you know, pasta, that's not a relative good. You can't say, well, you know, that's what I think. I think it's good. You think it's good. To each his own. That, no, that's not, that kind of subject is not relative. There is an absolute right and an absolute wrong. If a person would go marching on Fifth Avenue against abortion, that it's wrong to murder a fetus and somebody else would come and march the other way on 6th Avenue saying, what do you mean? <laughs> the right thing to do. What do you want from this woman? It's her choice. It's her body. What does that mean? So they're fighting and each one is willing to give up a lot of money and a lot of time and sometimes even more than that. You can't stand on the side and say, well, to each his own. You know, it's a, it, it, he thinks it's good and he thinks it's not good. It's, it's whatever, it's whatever you think. Oh, no, no, not like that. In life, when it comes to things that are real, like I say, pasta and sushi is a question of taste. In taste, you could like or not like, because it's not something that intrinsically is good. Pasta is not intrinsically good or not. It's just something that you eat and you enjoy. But when it comes to values, when it comes to right and wrong, when it comes to the purpose of life or what's correct and what's not correct, in this area, it's not up for, uh, uh, for taste. It's not a taste issue. There is absolute good, which means that abortion is either okay or it's not okay. And everything in life is like that. That is made up of values. It's either correct or it's incorrect. It's either taught or it's rat. And it's, unfortunately, we live in a society that is very careless about life values. When I say careless, I don't mean that people don't have opinions. But I mean their opinions are just that. Their opinions, you know, to each his own is the motto. You know, good for them. They think like that, good for him. Unless it hits home with you and somehow enters your domain, okay. But in the reality of this world, there is absolute tov and absolute ra. The word absolute means not up for discussion. It's not your opinion. And this new understanding needs to become the new guiding light of our values. Because there might be values in your life today that you assume is the right thing. And you could be dead wrong. And you could assume that something is not good. And you could be wrong. There are people out there today in the name of good that are spending their entire life 
saving whales. Now, I don't have an opinion on the matter, to be honest. I don't know if one should spend their life saving whales. I can tell you that the one doing it has more mesirut nefesh. They sacrifice more of their time and their life than most people do in religion. Which means that the person really believes he is doing something very, very precious. It's a good person who wants to be good. And he found an avenue how to be good. And he's willing to live in the oceans, which I don't know how many people here, if I told you in the name of religion, that you need to be moving to live in the oceans a few months out of the year. Not sure how many people here would say, okay, I'm in. To convince us to keep Torah, we have to tell you how special, how beautiful, how gorgeous. You're going to have this, you're going to have that. If I tell you you have to live in the Atlantic Ocean for a couple of months because you got to save the whales, I'm not sure how many people are doing it. <laughs> so you got to know that those people are extremely good people, dedicated, willing to give up and sacrifice much more than most people that we know. But that doesn't mean, just because you're dedicated to something, that doesn't mean you're doing anything right. It's possible to spend your entire life saving whales, and really, your life is meaningless. Now, I'm not here to tell you if saving whales is a great value or not. That's not my point right now. The point is, we need to find out if it is. Because it either is or it isn't. If it is, you're spending your life doing something very beautiful and very good. If it isn't, you spent a hundred years of your life doing nothing. Even though you, in the name of good, how many examples do we have in life like that? Endless, endless amount of examples. There are people who spend their entire life being a fan of a baseball team. This is the greatest value they give their children. Meaning there are guys who are religious in sports and then there are guys who are ultra-religious. They're like, Haredim. The Haredim in sports, look at the, at the modern guy, like, come on, you're not a real fan. You just say, yeah. Once in a while you watch a game Oh, when they're in the playoffs, then, then you get excited. Come on. You got to be a real fan. That's the way to do it. Now, he is a guy. He's a good person. Not a bad person. Not doing anything wrong. Not hurting anybody. But Lamar said, if it's a value to spend your life bleeding the color of your team, so that you're doing a great thing. And if it's worthless, say so you spent your whole life doing nothing. You wasted your life. Sometimes it's just wasting. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it could be murder. Here you are marching for the wrong thing. You're marching to kill people. Which is the wrong thing. But in your eyes, it's right. And you have to know that all values in life 
need to be checked. Every value you have in life, right now sitting here, each of us has many, many, many values. We have many, many opinions on many subjects. We have an opinion on abortion. We have an opinion on whales. We have an, one guy here will say saving the whales. Come on, that's so silly. One guy says, what are you talking about? You know how important that is? How about should we, should we uh, spend all our money and time trying to save the environment? There are some people that spend their entire life very religiously working on saving the environment. These are good people that really have a lot of good in them driving them to give up so much that maybe others around us don't even give up because they believe we are responsible to save the environment and therefore we have to spend our life doing it. Should that be my value, my priority in life? I mean, there is endless, how many values do we have in our lives? Really, you have to know that most values that people have came either from an emotional connection, which means a guy saw a whale once suffering because people were taking advantage of the whale. He had compassion. He said, Hazit whale. Who's going to stand up for the whales if not for us? He felt this emotional connection to whales and he dedicated his life to whales. Sometimes it could be because he, someone got him excited. Sometimes it could be a tradition in his family. But the values that you and I decide are valuable, whether it's the Torah, whether it's the mitzvot, whether it's other areas of life, things that you hold close to your heart as value. These are really important things like you would sit with your son and daughter and say, son, my daughter, listen, I want to share with you the values of life. It's valuable to do this. It's not valuable to do that. It's wrong to do that. A person must not assume that their values are automatically valuable because they think so. Because this is not like pastoring. You could love pasta your whole life and nobody will disagree with you. But this is not one of those things. Values, they're not dependent on your opinion. You could be very excited about your opinion, but that means nothing as far as realizing if it's true or not. You could be spending your whole life on a road that you believe in and this road is all nonsense and fake and doesn't get you anywhere. Not in this world, not in the next world. Just because you're passionate about what you believe is right doesn't make you right. You have to know that. It's very beautiful to see someone passionate, but doesn't mean it's right. You could be passionate about the wrong things. And the proof is, like I told you, if we had a march today on Fifth Avenue and you wanted anti-abortion or for abortion, that's a very heavy subject. Murder, not murder. You'd have as many people marching for as against. And they're both passionate. Passion doesn't make you right. Passion doesn't make you good. 
passion doesn't get you to your desired destination. It's got this absolute truth. Absolute means it's not up to you. It's not your opinion. It is a fam famous story. You ever read the story of the Kuzari? Kuzari is a very famous book. Very, very famous book. Rabbi Yehuda Levi wrote a book called the Kuzari. The basic setting of the book is that there was a melech of a very, very religious country and the king himself was a very beautiful religious man. <clears throat> he was the king of Kuzar and it says in the book that he had dreams one night after another and in the, the dreams they told him Right, your kavana, your intent is accepted. Retsuya. Hashem loves your your intention, your passion. And he says, Abal Ma'asecha, but your actions and they're you wasting your lights in Andun. Meaning they accept your pure desire to do the right thing but actually what you're doing is not acceptable and he had this dream and therefore what he did that's what the book is all about he basically he called in the heads of the major religions in the world to have a debate so he can find out so what is the truth Every religion holds the flag and says, this is the truth. The other religion says, what are you talking about? That's nonsense. This is the truth. So you have, don't get excited by numbers. One time a person told me, how could it be that billions of people are wrong? Could it be that billions of people are wrong on the same issue? How did that be? Billions of people living their entire life in the wrong way? Could that be? Is that fathomable? One person could be wrong, a dozen could be wrong. But they had two billion people. Yeah, he was very excited about that. So I told them, don't get so excited. Because I could prove to you in less than 10 seconds that yes, we know for a fact that we know for a fact that billions of people are Definitely wrong on the same item. It means you have billions of people that are all agreeing that something is the right thing. Can you imagine? Two billion people say this is the right thing. Same item. And they're all wrong. Prove it to you. Because you have today in the world, Hashem set up very nice for us, very easy. We have billions of Muslims. We have billions of Christians. Billions. And it's not only that each one says, I have my way. Each one says the other way is wrong. So this two billion says, the other two billion is wrong. And this two billion says, the other one is wrong. Right? They can't both be right. Obvious, right? That means we know off the bat as we walk in, we have 2 billion people that are for sure wrong. So numbers don't necessarily prove 
if something is right or wrong. Absolute truth is the key to great success in life. So the king of Kuzar gathered these major people and he started to ask questions to each one so he can go and figure out what is the truth? What is the absolute truth? Now it's just, just a side point. It's not side really, it's an important point. The only way and the only source of absolute truth is the creator of the world. There is no one address. There isn't another place that you can find absolute truth because only the creator of the world can tell you the true values of the world. Is it right to murder that person or that's doing them a favor? Who could decide that? person once told me how he feels that some commandments in the Torah are very obvious. That they're not really so needed for the intelligent person. So I told him, yeah, give me an example. A mitzvah that you feel is not for intelligent people. As if he was trying to say, the Torah was given to dips. That's what he was trying to say. And since he was smart, so therefore he doesn't need, he has his own opinion and he can come to it on his own. And his proof is that you'll see in the Torah sometimes opinions of things that are obvious. So I told him, give me an example. Which, which commandment did you find in the Torah that you felt made you feel stupid? He says, for example, he says, says, don't, don't murder, don't kill. I said, he says, intelligent people need to be told not to kill. Isn't that obvious? That was his proof that the Torah was given to the simpleton, <clears throat> intelligent person. You know, by the way, you know how many people think like this? Anybody who doesn't live a Torah life, as a Jew, thinks like this. If he, if he looks at the Torah as a Torah that's given to the people who don't think. The people who don't think, don't know how to think. They need someone to tell them how to live life in an intelligent way that's going to get them to the right place. But thank God I'm blessed with a lot of intelligence. How do they know they have intelligence, by the way? Usually if they have money. Usually they equate money with intelligence. So that happens. How, how else? Who said they're intelligent? But they see, look how many buildings I own. And look how much money I'm making. And look how many people are working for me. I must be a very intelligent person. In fact, people even stoke the fire a little bit. I'm already thinking I'm very intelligent. And once in a while, people come and ask me my opinion on things. Like, they have a big problem in the community. They come to ask me. So what does that do? It, it solidifies my position that I had, that I'm a very small man. The, the person who doesn't want to hear what the Creator says, very often believes these commandments are for the primitive non-thinkers of the world. But people like me, so smart, so intelligent. I have so much that I do that shows how intelligent and smart I am. I don't need someone to tell me 
how to live life successfully? A guy like me needs to be told how to be successful? Are you kidding? I am the epitome of success. Everyone looks at me as Mr. Success. I'm going to come and learn. But you tell him, but look at that guy. Look, he's learning. He's trying to see what's right and wrong. Oh, that guy has it. He works for me, that guy. He's not so smart. That guy, he needs someone to tell him so he could live life successfully. Now, people like me, I'm a very smart man. Now, but these are not bad, by the way, these are not bad people. They're not, they're not evil people. I, I don't, I'm, I'm laughing and I'm, I am making a little fun, but not God forbid, I'm not making fun at them, that they're bad people. I'm making fun at how ridiculous a person might actually think they're totally, totally off. And sometimes, sometimes they get hizuk when they see certain mitzvot that they say, ah, come on, that's obvious. Or sometimes they have the audacity to say it's obvious the other way. It's obviously not good to do that. Some, if you have, if you have a lot of money, you need a lot of money for that. Tier one, tier one, if you have a little money, you just say, listen, the mitzvot are for primitives. Guys like me, I can figure out on my own. But if you get to a higher tier, yeah, you make it to the top. I don't know what the number is. Now you have the chutzpah to even argue and say that that doesn't make sense. That can't be. Why can't it be? Because I don't think it could be. When did you become the authority of truth in this world? Just a few years ago. Remember, you didn't even exist. Where were you a hundred years ago? By the way, the world was doing well without you <laughs> before you came. The world survived before you were here. And it will survive after you leave too. When did you become the authority? That you have the chutzpah to say that you disagree with the creator of the world. Well, how does that happen? Again, misguided people. So this guy told me, his first example, so give me an example. This guy was not very hatsuf. He was only on, he was mid-level. It's a matter of time before he graduates. So I told him, give me an example that you feel the Torah doesn't really speak to you. For the primitive non-thinkers, he says, Torah says not to murder. He says, is that obvious? I said, I'm very happy you chose that one. I said, um, so you know what murder is? I says, why do you think it's wrong to murder? Like it seems obvious to you that you can't murder, right? Yeah, it's obvious. Who needs to be told that? Come on. I said, why is it so obvious? How come you don't murder? He looked at me like I landed from Mars. Like, come on, what are you being stupid with me? I says, tell me. I said, just tell me. Why do you think it's so bad to murder? Like, how do you know? He says, here's a guy, has his life. He's uh, up and alive. He's got a family. He's got obligations. He's got things. He's living. He's enjoying. Who are you to come and take his life? 
told them it's a very, very nice, very nice theory. I like, I says, you believe in what you're saying? He says, he says, it's obvious. Who doesn't believe it? So I told him, I said, you'll forgive me if I ask you a question. I want to get a little personal. I says, I told him, do you eat meat? He says, uh, yeah. Thank God, by the way. Thank God. He <laughs> wasn't a vegetarian. <laughs> says, yes, of course. It's like you eat meat all the time, like chickens and, and steak and spare ribs. I love it. I said, I want to ask you, how do you have the right to murder an animal? So he has a mind. He said, what do you mean it's different? Mm-hmm. And then the first thing he said, before he even thought, he told me, it's different. It has to be different because he thought so. It has to be different. You know, it's different. I said, why is it different? You have an animal that walks and enjoys and has children perhaps and you decided because you're hungry that you would like to kill it and eat it. Who told you that's right? To this man's credit, I have to give him credit because some people, even after that, will just say, I don't know, there has to be an answer. Uh, uh, figure it out. <laughs> or people will say, well, animals were created for me. Really? I said, well, who told you that? Where did you come up with these ideas? This man, to his credit, he says, you're right. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. You got me. How long it took me to get him? Ten seconds. I, I'm not so... Uh, it's a brilliant thing I told him. But Liman said, what is the answer to that question? What is the answer to that question? Murder isn't so obvious. You know how many questions there are in murder? And again, animals, yes or no? How about murdering somebody who's about to hit somebody else? Could you murder? Are you allowed to kill someone who's about to punch somebody? Are you allowed to murder someone who, against his will, is not even trying, but he might be hurting somebody else and might kill him? Could you eliminate him? Are you allowed to murder somebody who's Mahalel Shabbat? Is that murder? Are you allowed to murder somebody who has no value left in his life? Could that, let's say a guy wants to be murdered. Could you murder him? He says, I want, I want to be murdered. What do you want? It's my life. Murder me. Go ahead. Kill me. Could you do that? Is that okay? How many questions there are in the laws of murder? How many details there are? Yes, no. And many of them are very, very dark, very, very thin, very fine differences. Is the baby before he's born, is he a human? Is he alive or not alive? What is he? Who could answer that question? You could say, I think abortion is wrong all you want, but how do you know? Who told you it's wrong? Who told you it's not wrong? There is endless amount of questions on every subject. And the bottom line is that truth is absolute. It's not up to you what Shabbat looks like. Not up to you. It doesn't matter if you think that this is not a big deal on Shabbat. You know how many people think that? This item, listen, this one, 
is a big deal. Getting into a car on Shabbat, that's a, that's a big deal. But a scooter, not a big deal. You know how many people make that assessment? Um, on Shabbat, it makes sense to go to shul in the morning. Yeah, at night, not necessary. Not important. Who decided that? Like, what? Why did that become the will? I'm not talking about people who are lazy and don't do anything. I'm talking about people who actually believe that this is the way. And then this is it. This is Shabbat. Going to shul twice on Shabbat is too much. <coughs> you want to rest on Shabbat? You go once. You go two times already. It's intruding into your menuhal. You can't take from your rest. How many examples are you going to give me? There's, there's no end to the examples. Is this kosher? For me, it's kosher. Or it's kosher enough. It's kosher enough. Hey, guys, eating tarif. What are you eating? <laughs> no, but it's not. It's not. It's not what's, what's the, what could be in it? You hear that question? What could be in it? You, you have a list? If I can tell you how many things would be in it. Now here's a guy who never opened the Torah to learn anything. Doesn't know anything in Shohan Aruch. And he's asking what could be in it? What could be? Oh, to eat Hazir? No, 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 no. I would never eat Hazir. Hazir? That's wrong. I... You know how many people that I know would sit Shiva? if their kids ate hazir. But they're eating non-kosher every day. How many people do you know like that? That if their kids were eating hazir, they would sit shiva. That's how much pain they would be in. But they themselves are eating non-kosher every day. How did that happen? Answer, because I decide what is correct and what's not correct. And in their mind, they believe 1,000% that what they're doing is right. And that guy, he doesn't eat that? Ah, he's a fanatic. He's a fanatic. He's a Haredi. He is Haredi. The middle of the road is right where I am. Got that road? You ever hear the middle of the road? The middle of the road joke. Problem with the middle of the road Jew is that there was never given a middle of the road in the Torah. So where is the middle of the road exactly? It's just a ridiculous thing. And by the way, people bring the Rambam as a proof. You ever hear this? Hazid Rambam. He is a man who lived his whole life serving Hashem. And he became the mascot of the middle of the road Jew. So let me tell you what they say about the Rambam. This is very, this is deep. You ready for this? How did the Rambam become the leader of the middle of the road people? They even gave him an English name. Maimonides. The Rambam says that a person should not be too extreme. Moderation. Yeah, but the Rambam writes that. He says, in life, 
Do not take the extreme of any side. Always take the two ends and find a moderate way. Good. Got it? And that sounds pretty middle of the road to me. Right? And people say, oh, look, come on, they have always got to be in the middle. Now, obviously, that is the most ridiculous, dumb, uneducated, foolish, and you could just add more. And so basically, so let me see. So the Rambam wrote 613 mitzvot in his book. He has all the mitzvot. So basically he was saying, I'm writing 613, choose 350 from them. If you want to do 360, 370, don't do all 613, it's too much. Don't do zero, find somewhere in the middle, 350 to 400, that's the right amount. Always be in the middle of the road. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like it makes sense to you? You think that I'm banned? is telling you to take some of Shabbat, not all of it, like keeping Shabbat the whole, the right way, the whole way, too much. So take your Chot Shabbat, dissect them into two parts, and choose one part. You follow? That makes sense to you? Maybe it's came. That, as I know it sounds silly what I'm saying, but actually many people actually believe that they believe like middle of the road means you do some mitzvot, you don't do others. To eat hazir, too much. To eat totally kosher, too much. Rambam wouldn't like that. The Rambam would say you're too extreme. So find a way to eat non-kosher in the different, like, not, that's not so non-kosher, a little bit non-kosher. What do you think? Uh, wild. To keep Shabbat the, the whole way, in every way, too much. The Rambam would say, come on, extreme. Not to keep it at all. You gotta be a Jew. What do you do? Find the middle of the road. And by the way, who chooses the middle? I'll let you choose it. Whatever you think is the middle. And the middle always changes, of course, depending on where you live and where you are. Is a middle in Deal? Is a middle in was a middle in Israel? In Israel, the middle changes a little bit to the right. You go to Europe, they change a little bit to the left. <laughs> because, because who gave you, who gave the rules of the middle? There are no rules in the middle. It's your rules. You just make it up as you go. Now, what was the Rambam saying, just by the way? What was he saying? The Rambam, if you open the Rambam, obviously. The Rambam says, he was talking about character. He says, for example, don't be, give, you don't give everything you have. Be a giver in life, right? But you got to have rules. You can't just give everything you have. So don't give everything. Don't give nothing. You got to find the middle. And by the way, the middle means not the 50%, the 50-yard line. It, it means you got to find somewhere in between. So in every midah, don't sleep too much and don't sleep too little. So you got to find a good medium to sleep right. And every, that's what he's talking about. So, I mean, do it. That, that's, that logical makes sense. That's what he's talking about. Of course, the Ramam is not talking about right and wrong to look at for the middle. So bottom line is, it's important to know 
that there is something called absolute truth. And the only one who has absolute truth is the creator of the world. Only the one who made this world could tell you what's authentic real, what's authentic and what's, what's fake. Only the creator could tell you what's emet and what's sheker. There is no other address. My opinion means absolutely nothing. The creator has the key for what's considered emet and what's considered sheker. And this is, that's why he says over here, we're learning that a person so I warn you, why am I saying this today? Because a person could start thinking, is my way good? And come out thinking, yeah, my way is great. Beautifully. I'm a Hasid, I do everything right. But you have to remember, when you think about if something is good or no good, you have to know what are the measuring sticks that you're using. You can't decide on your own if something checks out and you think is good. That doesn't matter what you think. Hitbonenut means knowing to check with the source of truth if what you're doing in your life is authentically correct. That is hitbonenut im tova darfo ora'a. Not up to us to decide tov ora. Tov ora is absolute. And it comes from only one source. The creator who made this world will only be the only address to know what's right. He knows what Shabbat looks like. He knows what's kosher, what's not kosher. He knows what's the way to respect your parents. What's the way you don't have to respect your parents. Yeah, how many times? I now often that's misused, by the way. That's an example. Kibbut Abayim. Obvious mitzvah. Kibbut Abayim. So obvious. You know how many people abuse that mitzvah? You know how many parents tell their kids, Where's your respect? And in reality, their kids don't have to respect them in that. A father wants his son to be a plumber. He loves plumbing. He wants his son to be a plumber. And his son doesn't want to be a plumber. He wants to be a salesman. Father's going crazy. You know what he tells him? Where's your kibbutz? What do you think? Is that true? Is there a lack of kibbutz if I don't want to be a plumber? It's okay. I don't, I don't have to ask question. Bottom line is, you got to ask the source if there's kibbut avayim. Don't assume that everything is kibbut avayim. Because there's authentic kibbut avayim, and then there's your own ideas of what it means to honor your parents. And there's absolute rules in everything, in every area of life. Is that lashon hara or not lashon hara? It's not up to you. You don't decide that. If this is the right thing or wrong thing, that can I say that? All right, why not? Yeah, in this situation, who says? There's rules. There's rules of what you can say, what you can't say, when you can say it, when you can't say it. Not everything you know needs to be shared. And by the way, and also who you share it with, just because you could say it doesn't mean you have to be careful. Maybe only with that person, maybe with that person. Everything in life has absolute truth. Every value is absolute. When you do hit bonenut, when you're thinking if it's good or no good, the thinking has to be, is it a match with the Creator's good? Not with what you think is good. Because if you do it boninut on what you think is good, and if you're living up to your Torah, it's a waste of time. This is the true hit boninut. Im tova, im ra. Have a wonderful day, gentlemen.